Pastor Xavier Reese brings us the simple truths about the plans of man and the sovereignty of God. These disciples, they had their own agenda. Some of you have your own agenda. If God would show you some of the things that are going to happen in your life, you wouldn't believe it. Some of you would say, no way, over my dead body. And then God would say, well, if need be. You see, he's in control. He knows what he's doing. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Well, you can offer solutions to our struggling economy, and you can even wax eloquent on the social and economic ramifications that are plaguing our country. But Pastor Xavier says none of these are as important as your opinion of Jesus. Let's join him for today's important program. Matthew 26, verses 1 through 30. I've entitled the message, What is Your Attitude Towards Jesus? Jesus is only a few days away from the cross. His disciples have just finished being instructed on His second coming. And the plot to kill Jesus is about to take place. These last three chapters deal with very important information. All three synoptic gospels covered in detail and various specific information that you and I would be assured that Jesus was no victim but that he laid down his life for you and myself. Remember, Matthew presents him as the king of the Jews, one who is in control. God the Father had given him a set amount of time to fulfill all that he had. And Jesus did absolutely nothing except what the Father told him to do. And therefore, he never had to be in a hurry or press for time. He was right on time. How that speaks so loudly to my own life, to live a life of priorities, to please God, to hear the voice of God. That I don't live a life of always rushing, always wishing I had a 48-hour day. But did I realize that God has given me all time to fulfill all that he desires if I will only listen to his voice. In these 30 verses, we want to look at three individuals regarding their attitude towards Jesus and his cross. The first group is found in verses 1 through 5, the men who hated Jesus. The second group is verses 6 through 13, the woman who loved Jesus. And then the third group is the man who betrayed Jesus, verses 14 through 30. Let me read the passage and then we'll take a section at a time. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings that he said to his disciples, you know that after two days is the Passover and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders of the people assembled at the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and plotted to take Jesus by trickery and kill him. But they said, Not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. 
And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leopard, a woman came to him having an alabaster flax, a very costly fragrant oil. And she poured it on his head and he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For the fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out for him thirty pieces of silver. So from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. Now on the first day of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying to him, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And so the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. Now, when the evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? Then he answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written to him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better or good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and says, Rabbi, is it I? And he said to him, You have said. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and took it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take ye, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my body, or my blood, of the new covenant, which is shed for many, for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Look with me to verses 1 and 5, the men who hated Jesus. Notice first that Jesus had just finished all these sayings. What sayings? The sayings of chapter 24 and 25. The warning to the Jews who would be living prior to his second return. To watch. It would be a very difficult time. He had rejected Israel. And he says, you shall not see me henceforth to you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He has laid everything out for them. When shall these things be? What shall be the signs of thy coming? What will be the end of the age? And he's answered these questions. He's finished. And he turns to his disciples. And now, after 
having all this information, recognizing the second coming, all of a sudden, here it comes again. That which they didn't like to hear, that which did not seem to be their reality, Jesus says, you know that after two days is the Passover, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Only two days away. Remember, the mentality of the disciples was that they thought they were going to go reign in Jerusalem. For that reason, we've already covered the how James and John asked for the right hand and the left hand. They even had their mom ask for them. They thought they were going to rule. Sometimes we have wrong concepts about the kingdom. And then God starts dealing with us regarding reality. But we don't like to live in reality, at least not in the United States. Today our whole society is structured in such a way that we like to escape reality. And so we explain reality away and we put all these different little patches over our life. Escaping reality. I was called out last night by the fire department. As you know, we do the chaplaincy for the police and the fire department in Pasadena. Uh, there was a tragic accident. The engine was called out, and they were headed out to a fire or a call. And um, they came to this intersection, and um, a young man thought he could beat the engine. And he entered the intersection, and the engine struck him and killed him. Um, the driver and the others who were on the engine were devastated and they called me in to see if I could just go minister unto them. When I got there, there was a Ph.D. psychologist talking with the group already. So I met the captain at the entrance and um, he invited me in. I just sat down and as they were going through the conversation, I was just listening. I'm saying, Lord, give me some wisdom. What do I tell these guys? Uh, they're not believers, the captain is, but not the rest of them, especially the guy who was driving. Now, sitting there, all of a sudden, the Lord began to deal with me regarding what he says about man and life and the value and death. And, uh, you know, with all this therapy, they're going, well, you know, you need to talk. And if you need me, just call me this and that. And, you know, you have to watch for post-traumatic syndrome and this and that. And she's going through all these things, and I'm sitting there, and I'm going. And I turned to him, and I said, um... I said, Steve, what you're going through is absolutely normal. I said, pain is good. And God has allowed us to sense pain so that we might take care of it properly. But there comes a point where pain becomes destructive if I don't yield to it. I have a pain in my side. I go to the doctor. I find I have appendicitis. I get it taken care of. Fine. I ignore it. It'll kill me. I said, now what you're going through is a response of conscience. God has put that there for you. The Bible says that God holds every man responsible for the blood that he sheds for any other man. That's from Genesis on. That's premeditated murder. If you shed man's blood, you have to be killed for that. Otherwise, the land is defiled. I said, now... God also gives provisions within the Bible that if there is accidental death, that He releases you from that. I said there is a case in the law that says if a man went out and borrowed a friend's axe and he went out to chop wood and he's cutting down a tree and the axe head flies off and hits somebody in the head and he dies. 
Then the elders of the city who's closest call him and they bring him in. They look at the facts. And if it's accidental, then the man is released. I said, God releases you. You did not plan on killing this young man. And what you're going through is absolutely normal. I said, you know, David went through many troublous times, Steve. I said, I don't know where you're at, but you know what? You want to have some sweet sleep. I said, why don't you turn to the sweet psalmist of Israel and read some psalms when you become troubled. Now I was being calm, but I was jumping up and down inside. Because <laughs> I was saying, yes, Lord. <laughs> A fit word for due season. Reality. We need to deal with it. These disciples were not dealing with it. They had their own agenda. Some of you have your own agenda. If God would show you some of the things that are going to happen in your life, you wouldn't believe it. Some of you would say, no way, over my dead body. And then God would say, well, if need be. <laughs> you see, he's in control. He knows what he's doing. The Passover was a very important celebration. Three times a year, the Jews were to present themselves before in Jerusalem. Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles. Places crowded. It's estimated that at that time, two and a half million people. The chief priests, the scribes, and the elders are the members of the Sanhedrin court, like the Supreme Court of the land in verse 3. They have been assembled there at the palace of the chief priest Caiaphas. Caiaphas was the one who had married the daughter of Annas, the high priest, and he had been put there by Rome, not by the Jews. He was not God's priest. He was a political appointee by the Roman Empire. Here we see him at the head of the plot. All of the members of the Sanhedrin plotting how they might kill Jesus. The word trickery means to bait. It's used for baiting and trapping an animal. Why are they doing this? Because they hate Jesus. He threatens their position. He threatens their very importance. He just plain threatens them. There are many people who are very threatened by Jesus. They feel that God is out to get them, to destroy and take everything from them. And that God is not happy unless he makes their life miserable. The fact is that God wants to reach out to these people to give them an experience of life which they have no idea about. To take away the pain, to take away the sorrow, to take away all the burden of life and to be able to place it upon the shoulders of Jesus and to experience life. How mistaken we are when we, out of our own perspective, reflect hate towards Jesus. Many people do. You can talk to them about politics, philosophy, psychology, anthropology, even religion. But don't you dare mention the name of Jesus. Like the psychologist who was, got converted. Got born again. He'd gone through the whole schooling. Top guy in one of the hospitals. And he got born again. And he knew he couldn't 
practice what he had learned. It was all junk. And one day he was called into this ward and this man is sitting there in a fetal position in the corner. He hasn't moved for anything. And he walks up to him and he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, I want you to stand on your feet. The man jumps up and says, how dare you evangelize me? I'm an Orthodox Jew and mention Jesus. <laughs> True case. True case. You see, you can mention Allah. Buddha, Confucius, anybody you want. But don't you dare mention the name of Jesus. It's an offense. It stirs up hatred because there's power in the name of Jesus. But notice they didn't want to do it during the feast, verse 5. During this period of time, Pilate always brought in more soldiers because of the danger of an uprising. It was the Jews' opportunity to outnumber Rome, at least in that local area. And so there were always extra soldiers around. They didn't want to do it on the feast day, but who was in control? Jesus was. He says, no one takes my life, but I lay it down. And I not only have the power to lay it down, but I have the power to pick it up again. These are the men who hated Jesus. They're still around. You might be one of them. You don't mind talking about religion. You don't mind going to church once in a while. And you don't even mind giving a little something in the offering. But, hey, don't get me into this Jesus fanatical stuff. Don't start telling me Jesus is coming back. Don't start telling me I'm a sinner. Don't tell me that I, I'm going to have to give account of my sins. Don't tell me that we were created, man. We evolved. And men and women still hate Jesus with a passion. And you know what? That hatred is increasing in the United States for Jesus. If you love Jesus, you are a rare commodity. A rare commodity. Verses 6 through 13, you have the woman who loved Jesus. What a contrast. Notice the contrast here. These guys hate him. But when Jesus went to Bethany, the house of Simon the leper, here's the location. Bethany, the house of Simon the leper. Who he is, we don't know. But we know that he was a leper, and most likely Jesus healed him. Bethany is on the Mount of Olives on the other side, uh, about two miles away from the city. Now, in verse 2, he said it was two days from the Passover. Now, when you come to verses 6 to 13, don't put this account two days from the Passover. You have to go to John's gospel where he tells us that it was six days from the Passover that it took place. Remember, Matthew doesn't always put things in chronological order. So we have to use the other gospels to find out what's going on. So six days prior. Now, Matthew gives us this setting. Why? Look at the contrast. Men who hate Jesus. Here's a woman who loves Jesus so much that it's, it's overwhelming and her love is even magnified by the indifference of the disciples who were supposed to be the ones who loved them the most. The woman came having an alabaster flax there, a very costly fragrant oil, poured it on his head and sat down at the table. Now John tells us, poured it on his feet. Are there two different occasions? No. Mark 14, 3 through 9 also gives us that other account. The very basic hospitality anointing 
is symbolic of here, the head and the feet, washing them. She washed him with her hair, anointed his head. But later on, as we go down, Jesus says in verse 12, she anointed his whole body. The Gospels tell us that this amount of oil was enough that it would take an entire year's earnings as she poured it upon him. The response of the disciples in verse 8 is amazing. They saw they were indignant. They were ticked off, saying, For what purpose is this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. Now, if that's all we had, we would have said, man, these guys were right on. These guys were spiritual. Let me say to you, they're not spiritual. They're philanthropists. Now, if Jesus is behind and the gospel is going out, then clothes and food will come alongside, but clothes and food never go before the gospel. Because when food and clothes go before the gospel, the gospel will never get to them. Be careful of organizations who are social organizations and they pretend to be messengers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Notice here, Jesus rebukes them. When Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble this woman? And the word there for trouble is to beat and to smite or to cut. I mean, they jumped all over her case. For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always. Very important. But me, you do not have. First of all, they didn't discern the priority of things. They were trying to give an appearance of spirituality when in fact they were non-spiritual, non-sensitive. Be careful of people who are always pointing to the exteriors to give an air of spirituality when in heart they're carnal and they're not sensitive to God at all. They're very sensitive to the needs of people but not to the things of God. Mark a difference between that. They make correlate and coincide many times, but it doesn't mean that they do. Secondly, for in pouring the fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. You remember that there wasn't enough time for Jesus and the body to be anointed. That's why they had to come back on the next day. Well, here she's knowing this. She fulfills this. Did she know it consciously? I can't tell. Maybe not. But she did know that he was going to die. Who did Jesus appear to first after the resurrection? A woman. Who was at the cross? The women. Where were all the spiritual men? Same place they are today. Not in the church. Those of you who are godly, I commend you. Those of you men who are committed to Christ, I'll pray for you. But that is not the rule, even in the church today. Men escape their responsibility to God. And God is looking for godly leaders to serve the church. We are caught up with works. It is in our works that we tend to exalt ourselves as men. 
all that we can accomplish, all that we can do, all that we have done, all that points to me, rather than allowing Jesus to do things through me, that he may receive the praise and the glory. Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about the good news gospel versus the social gospel. And you can request a copy of today's important study called What's Your Attitude Towards Jesus? As always, it's available on CD for just $4. Be sure and request an additional copy to pass along to those in your church or Bible study. Now, the title to ask for once again is What is Your Attitude Towards Jesus? Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And don't forget to include the call letters of this station when you contact us. Now, how important is your opinion of Jesus? We'll find out when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 